Welcome to VB Engage episode 51. My name is Stuart Rogers. I'm with VentureBeat and I am joined as usual by the author of Digital Sense, co-founder of CCP Digital. It is Travis Wright. How are you doing, Travis? I am doing excellent, Mr. Stuart Rogers. Congratulations on both of us uh, passing episode 50. We are now in uh, year two. I don't know how we managed it without killing each other, frankly. I don't know. You see, you say that a lot. You must have violent tendencies. Never crossed my mind to kill you one time. Apart from all those times. <laughs> he's trying to make it seem like, you know, he's the good guy here. Or maybe there's an algorithm out there that can work out which one of us is telling the truth. Eh? Maybe so. But coincidentally, <laughs> starting season two, uh, you are in San Francisco this week, correct? We started our first I episode am. in San Francisco. So that's a nice yes. theme. I am. I'm in San Francisco this week. You know, when you got all of these different services, you know, Facebook has it, Google Photos has it. You can get separate apps that do it, like Time Hop, where, you know, it pulls up memories from such and such a time, right? And memories. on this day, two years ago, um, I was here in uh, in San Francisco at Gamesbeat. We had Gamesbeat out at Cavallo Point. And I'm here this week in San Francisco because, of course, we've just had Gamesbeat up in Barclay. Another great success. Dean Takahashi and the whole Gamesbeat crew just do an amazing job with that event. That's why I was over here this week. Of course, while I'm here, I get to work face-to-face with all my colleagues, which makes such a huge difference. It's uh, it's really cool to be here and uh, and to work with everybody face-to-face. That's great. I will actually be in San Francisco for the next two weeks. I'll be there for MarTech next week, uh, Informatica World coming up the following week. Then I have a keynote right after uh, Informatica World. So I'm literally going to be in San Francisco for 12 days. So anybody in the SF area wants to connect while I'm there, just send me a tweet. We ought to get into the news. I mean, we do have an amazing guest today. We've been dropping amazing guests, though, for 50 episodes. We have another one this week. We have Sujin Patel talking about all kinds of growth hacking and uh, community engagement and how he's grown all of his different companies he's working with. Love that guy. The first thing that struck me this week was Microsoft is bringing bots to Bing. My first question, Travis, is what's Bing? Better not say that around certain people. They will get very angry. Luckily, he's not Um, the CEO anymore, so never mind. In all seriousness, though, I mean, it's great that bots are going to be integrated into Bing search results, right? It's kind of interesting the way that it's being put together. And we'll put the story in the show notes for everybody so you can go and click through. But you get kind of like a bot-like experience within the search results, and then you can start having a conversation as it's really interesting. I mean, chatbots on Bing is kind of an interesting way of going forward. Can you imagine if you had chatbots within Google search results, for example? I mean, you know, that would be pretty seriously interesting. Mm-hmm. It would be. That's one of the things that I had thought about is like whenever they were doing Google+, Plus, it would have been really interesting if they had made those Google+, Plus search results sort of social, right? People having comments on the search results. So there's some things they could do, and I imagine that Google is working on some sort of bot framework as well. But the bots on Bing and the Microsoft bot framework update is happening, and there's also going to be some Cortana skills updates and uh, different uh, third-party voice apps that's going to be uh, integrated as well with those with in that skill set. Microsoft have been making lots of acquisitions in the messaging space, uh, most notably Skype, of course, and they have Microsoft Teams, which is Slack-ish. They're bringing all the bots to those platforms too. So, you know, it's kind of I have enough bots on uh, Skype already. They message me randomly. I don't even know half these people. (laughs) (laughs) They've had a bot problem for like the last decade. (laughs) But that's a different kind of bot. If you've got a bot problem, I've got news for you, son. (laughs) Microsoft have been getting slowly into the chatbot space. They haven't, like, 
really pushed it full speed at this point. But yeah, they're, they're slowly getting in there. You know, obviously they've had a few notable instances. We all remember when they switched on Tay, the AI for Twitter. That was very uh, successful. When they do dive in, they don't necessarily get it right. So maybe they should go a little bit slower. But The world's most yeah. racist chatbot. <laughs> it literally was. That was um, a trade but it's, it's good to see them get into that space. And I, they've also bolstered that with another piece of news. So there's an AI startup called Bonsai. That has raised $7.6 million this week to grow its platform. It's going to help businesses construct their own AI models and incorporate AI into their business, which I think is a question that a lot of people have. You know, we, we talk about AI a lot and we talk about AI powering lots of marketing technologies. But still, I think a lot of people really don't understand how to get AI into their business and, and how to use it, what to do with it. Bonsai is, is attempting to do that. The funding was led by Microsoft Ventures and NEA. So obviously, Microsoft Ventures are getting into this and they're saying and it was Nagraj Kashyap who said from Microsoft Ventures, Microsoft aims to democratize AI for all. And, you know, Bonsai is part of that strategy for them. So they do seem to be getting into AI and the chatbot space and all that sort of stuff a little bit slower or maybe just a little bit more considered. But Bonsai is kind of interesting. So I think it's a really good move on their part. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Microsoft set up that AI fund back in December, I believe. That whole new AI fund, they are focusing on all these different types of startups that are relevant in the space and, and, and growing. So they are they're actively looking to keep pushing the needle. But Bonsai, you know, is really doing some interesting stuff with complexity of machine learning tools. They really want to enable uh, developers and enterprise to more efficiently, you know, program intelligence into their applications. So that's kind of what's driving the growth behind the Microsoft AI fund. And Bonsai is their latest, their first one. I think the first investment was the uh, Element AI back in December whenever they launched the, uh, the Microsoft fund. So good stuff coming out from Microsoft. We shall see to be determined. It's not the only announcement of funding this week from Microsoft Ventures. They also got into a company called Agolo or possibly Agolo. Or if you really do foolishly believe that GIF is pronounced GIF, then we can call them Agolo. But Agolo is, is a New York City company. And what it does is it uses AI to summarize news for big media companies so that basically you're getting rid of the information overload issue and it's able to take all of the news, create these really intelligent summaries so that people can get through it very, very quickly and see you know, what's actually happening in the world. So um, streamline the fake news into snippets so we, we don't need to use critical thinking at all. We can just read the snippets and believe it's all true. Yeah, I, I really like that. Let's, <laughs> an AI uh, IV drip, that'd be great. An AI IV drip. <laughs> a fake news. Just we should get funding on that, Stuart Rogers. It'll just be fake sound bites because, you know, <laughs> cutting it down to the very minimum. So, you know, last piece of AI powered news Bloomreach. Now, I, I covered Bloomreach when they originally launched and then um, also when they acquired a company called Hippo. And what they've done is they've pulled that all together into a brand new solution that they're calling Bloomreach DXP. DXP stands for Digital Experience Platform. At their Connect NYC customer summit this week, they announced this uh, complete solution. What it does is it uses artificial intelligence to personalize at scale across every customer touchpoint. But what's really interesting about it, Travis, and what I've always found interesting about Bloomreach is it attempts to solve a really thorny problem. Now, when we originally did the research at VB Insight on personalization, one of the things that struck us was that marketers told us on mass that they want to be able to personalize 
right at the top of the funnel. And the problem with personalizing at the top of the funnel is that's where you know the least about the visitor. They're anonymous at that point. Mm -hmm. So how on earth do you personalize for people you know nothing about? And what was always cool about Bloomreach and what they've incorporated into this new solution, which really brings the hippo acquisition into the fold and makes it all like one full-blown platform, is that they have figured out really smart ways to solve that problem. And they can actually personalize content at scale, but at a point where you have anonymous visitors as well. And that is fascinating and really interesting. It sounds very interesting. I've not done a whole lot of research on this. I know you wrote the article on this one, so it definitely sounds like something to dive into. I know it has three different modules. It has the Bloomreach personalization engine, the Bloomreach experience engine, and the Bloomreach organic, which composes the Bloomreach DXP. They call it an experience platform. Uh, we're in these, uh, the data and, and algorithms determine every visitor's intent and either return the most relevant experience or inform business objectives. I'm going to do some more research on this one as well, dive in and uh, do a demo. It sounds pretty amazing. We're here in May now, and almost every single week there's a new company that's popped up that's using AI and machine learning in some interesting, unique way. Quite frankly, it's hard to keep up with all these innovations going on, Stuart Rogers. We're going to need some sort of artificial intelligence to help us keep up with it. Maybe something that can take it all and put it into snippets for yeah. us and stick it on an IV. That'll work. We, we won't <laughs> have to leave our desk. We can just get the drip of information constantly. Instead of getting fake news and snippets <laughs> and summarizations, how about we get a different kind of IV drip now and drink from the knowledge that Sujan Patel has? Because, uh, boy, oh, boy, this is an amazing interview. And there this are is not a drip. This is a fire hose of knowledge. We're going to call him that. <laughs> That is possibly the best nickname that anyone has ever given anybody in the history of the planet. I don't know. I don't know. The Denzel Washington of MarTech is pretty solid. Let's have a chat with Sujan. Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have a great treat for us today, as always, bringing you the thunder here on VB Engage. We have the one and only Sujan Patel. He is an amazing content creating, growth hacking, marketing genius, co-founder and GM of Web Profits. He is also the managing partner of Ramp Ventures, which is the team behind Content Marketer IO, Narrow.io, Milkshake.com, LinkTexting.com, Quoo, and Pick.com. He's got all kinds of stuff rolling over there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to VB Engage, Mr. Sujan Patel. Thank you for having me. I've never been called the thunder before. Well, Out of everything you said and introduced me as, I was most happy with the thunder. And the thing is, Sujan, that that's the first time that Travis has ever actually said that. I've got a suspicious feeling that it's going to be the last time that uh, Travis ever says that. <laughs> I don't you know. can have that. I might have to that one's bring it you. every time now. I'll then be the first thunder. I'll take that too. Speaking of making rain, you've been in this business a long, long time. I mean, you've spent a huge amount of time in, in internet marketing. I've only spent probably longer in internet marketing because uh, I'm 147 years old this year. So if you've been involved with all sorts, uh, with my old friends at Salesforce, uh, with Mint, with Zillow, with uh, LinkedIn, uh, who of course have recently rolled out a redesign that everybody has um, interested in and, and has an opinion on when it comes to getting people to come and visit your site you know because of course there's no point in creating all of this beautiful content all this engaging content unless somebody actually comes to see it right what are some of the things that you do first when you're planning a strategy around how you actually get these websites seen how you actually get you know growth user acquisition and, and have people come along and, and actually put their eyeballs on it 
I like to think about uh, building an audience as quickly as possible. If you're, let's say, launching a new product or business, before you launch, it, it could be years before you launch, start giving out value to the people you're targeting and build that audience. So let's just say that's like the prerequisite or will help you drastically do the next part. Let's say you didn't do that. You have a business. You want to attract users or visitors to your website. It's all about understanding who your potential customer is, even if it's like a best guess or best guess with what information you have. Um, If you have any customers, go talk to them and figure out really their problems and go write about their problems, like solutions to their problems, not just continuing their problems. But uh, I think it's all about, you know, your potential customers' problems, your audience's problems. And it's not even about like what problems within what you solve or your industry. It's about problems within their career, their day-to-day. Let's say your website's all about uh, podcasting service. So or you're selling this as a, as a service. Think about all the people who are podcasters and what they do professionally and what they ha- what kind of problems they have or how to make time for podcasting. And, and again, maybe that's a, that's a bad example. But uh, the next thing would be to identify gaps in knowledge or gaps in marketing from your competitors or people that are uh, leading the industry and see where you can kind of scoot in and like slither in like a snake through that open area. You know, if there was a problem, yo, you solve it, right? It's great. Um, there you go. You do a lot of content marketing. You write all over the place. And Stuart is shaking his head. We've gone from thunder to vanilla ice. I just I can't believe you went there. It must be early. Another Patel out there in the marketing land, Neil Patel, he once wrote about how, you know, SEO is all about content marketing. But a lot of people treat SEO and content sort of like silos. What are your thoughts on SEO and content? It's all words on a page and people are trying to find certain problems. And so how do you go about whenever you're creating content and and you're viewing keyword research and you're looking to solve problems? Is there a methodology that you go through? Because you create a ton of content. I think of them both as the same thing. I think content marketing is the best way these days to do SEO or to get the results that you want for you know your top keywords that are more transactional or you know that can bring in sales. I, I just start everything with keyword research. Before I start a single, uh, come with a single idea, I like to understand the landscape I'm playing in, what types of keywords there are, like within that theme of like, let's say I'm targeting my, it's for my own business, I'm gonna look at digital marketing, content marketing, all the head terms in the space and then dig kind of deep within each of those keyword buckets and try to find all the different ancillary keywords around um, that main keyword. So digital marketing, it's what is digital marketing? The best examples, case studies, whatnot. Now, when you think of digital marketing case studies, that's a blog post right there. That's an idea that you could probably create. Now, when you create something around digital marketing case studies or something of that nature, you're solidifying your position or increasing your value to Google for the keyword digital marketing. So it's, it's helping you. But that's not really the only thing. It's also looking at what are the opportunities you can start with. So SEO these days takes almost 147 years to actually achieve rankings. It's, it's, it takes forever, right? And, and that's because there's so many signals. Like SEO is no longer SEO. It's, it's all things marketing you need to get everybody involved from the, the organization to actually compete. Mainly because there's been people for the last 15 years, companies that are crushing it, they're dominating. So you have to compete with those guys. The simple version of SEO is your gains are pretty much the difference between your competitors, average, and what you do. So let's say your competitor is just a rudimentary, they're doing five things to do SEO, and you're doing six. Well, you're going to get that one tidbit 
of gain. And so it takes a long time to really achieve rankings. But content marketing, why I love it is because one, it helps you do that exact thing where it, you can rank better for that keyword by being more authoritative in that space. But in the meantime, you get traffic, right? You get traffic because the blog picks up steam. People are generally interested in that topic, not from SEO, it's from search, from social, maybe your email list, it gets shared, and you might be able to actually generate building a lead email list and revenue from that indirectly. And it also brings, it helps you with your existing audience become more an authority. So again, you're just adding value to the ecosystem, to your ecosystem, uh, your industry, and the byproduct, I think, is SEO. That's interesting to me because at the moment, of course, we've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence. And if there is one mid-level marketing job that is going to go away because of artificial intelligence, it's the SEO consultant. AI with machine learning can do more tests faster and work out through natural language processing exactly how to change headlines and lead text and end text within any article and measure the results in Google and keep on optimizing until eventually, you know, it just every page on your um, site is optimized. That's okay, and that will probably get rid of most SEO jobs, but the content itself is what is going to drive real humans to come and look at your website. Thing is, a lot of content out there is just me too content, right? It's just copy and paste stuff. It's the same idea again and again. How do you find original ideas that are on your niche so that people actually, because you want to convert this eventually to a sale, right? It's not just content for content's sake. How do you find these original ideas? How do you make sure that what you're putting out there is, is driving an emotion from people that are reading it? It's a tough thing to solve. It's something that's tough to get good at and continue to do. So I start by just one upping the best competitor out there, right? So the rule I have is the minimum quality should be better than what else is out there on that topic. I'm working on right now a guide on influencer marketing. And I just, you know, I spent like a couple hours over the last few weeks just looking through what else is out there. There's a lot of stuff and a lot of it's good. And so what I was actually doing is vetting the fact I should even create this content and what I should, what I need to do to make it the best around. And so that's what I start with, right? So I'm just making something better. And the great, the great thing about that is you can actually use the content that's out there as your anchor. But then from there, as you start to build on top of that, you're going to start to come up with a, a unique angle or a unique pitch. So if I'm talking about influencer marketing and there's all this content on examples, case studies, 15 ways to do it, 30 ways to do it, the ultimate guide, what have you. This is all the stuff that's ranking and, and, and doing well right now. But what if I talked about how I did influencer marketing? So I make it a little bit more of a story where I go interview people and how they do influencer marketing. So now it's the exact same topic, but I've applied the angle of it's real life, it's interviews, it's stories, it's, it's how I applied it. You have to add that element of, of storytelling or personalization or you know, real life experience that can make it unique as well. So I would start with those two angles. We have a lot of people who listen to the show who are running their own startups. And right now you're sort of a serial entrepreneur creating multiple products concurrently. You know, you have pick.co and you have uh, narrow.io and you have contentmarketer.io and mailshake.com and all those, all those different sites. How are you managing those and how are you scaling those up and how, what process do you have to allow you to build multiple startups at the same time? So that's all run under the 
the one company called Ramp Ventures. So we like we operate and grow SaaS businesses, specifically SaaS, because that's what we know. I'm able to do multiple companies at the same time because they're all at different stages. It first started with Content Marketer IO and Nero, and I was really just getting my feet wet. I'd been doing marketing for other SaaS businesses as an employee, and, and my goal was always to get do my own. So I was just learning all the different things I needed to do. One, they're not at all the same stages. Like Pick.co, we we actually bought that company. We're building out features and functionality from you know asking the audience, looking at our competitors, and really seeing what needs to be done. And we're going to relaunch it. So it's it's one of those products that hasn't even really started yet. We're just letting it just sit there, understand the audience uh, while we understand the audience. But all of these tools are targeting either sales or marketing professionals. Because they all have, we all have a very similar audience, we can market them very much the same way. Also, I only work with companies on the Ramp Ventures side. We don't do consulting, but our own companies, either we build or buy, that have a very similar marketing strategy. Our biggest strengths in our channels that drive growth is, first and foremost, word of mouth referrals from our existing customers. So that means product marketing, the UX, the experience has to be amazing. Number two, it's content marketing, right? So I run a market, a content marketing and digital marketing agency. So I can almost do it. Each company is it's almost like a client. I don't need to do it full time. And lastly, it's community. So those people, the audience that we bring in, the customers we bring in, we, we really build a community around them. And because they all, all the companies target this sim, a similar audience, we're actually only building one big community instead of individual ones. So there's a lot of cross promotion and whatnot. So even though there's five companies, it's still really only one effort. It makes a lot of sense to me. And of course, that's a nice way to make sure that you're not running yourself off your own feet, right? Because if, uh, yeah. if you're able to reuse those resources again and again, I mean, uh, that's a, an awful lot of work if you're having to do everything uniquely for each single property, right? Exactly. And don't get me wrong, it's still incredibly difficult. Like even with this setup, it is incredible it is an uphill battle every single day we have you know we're trying to scale some businesses we have different problems there we have some businesses that are we're trying to relaunch and you know the, the ecosystem that the platforms are and all that stuff change so it's still incredibly difficult but the great thing about it is, is we have one team and we learn from each other each other's mistakes in company so we have two support people they man support for every single thing so you know narrow io we solve churn we figured out a few things we can do to manage churn, reduce churn. There's not really ever solving it fully. And once we figured out that company, we actually applied the same exact strategy to every single other one. So like one brilliant idea, actually two brilliant ideas resulted in five companies benefiting from it. So there's a lot of that stuff happening, which really makes the problem a lot less daunting. Uh, you know, the show is VB Engage, and we do talk a lot about community on our show. And do you have any tips for our audience on maybe how they would apply to their company to grow a community around their particular brand? What What is some of the processes? Or, Stuart, you have an add-on to that? Yeah, an add-on to that is, you know, you've, you've been doing this a, a while, Sujan. So what has changed in that? pre-smartphone to the now smartphone-driven audience because, you know, everybody has a smartphone three feet uh, away from them, 24 hours a day, seven days a, a week. That's got to have changed the approach as well. So it's really the platform that has changed. Community back in the day, five, 10 years ago, could be 
a form, a, me- a message board. It could be an email list. I remember I was a part of like six or seven marketing or digital marketing, internet marketing email groups. That's not the, the norm anymore. It's a Facebook group. Uh, even like somewhere in between LinkedIn groups came in and died. Now it's Facebook groups. It's Slack. Then those things can be on your mobile device. It's even, I have a few Facebook messenger groups that I'm in. It's WhatsApp. It's Snapchat. Those are things that probably are a little bit more difficult to manage. So you kind of have to face the fact that these are all kind of newer platforms. So there might not be a good way to manage it. The best way is to put a person on it. But in, in how you build a community or how I would recommend building a community, if I had to start all over again, is as soon as my somebody becomes a customer or has an engagement, I would invite them to join a Facebook group, uh, my Slack group or something. And on that group, let's just say as a Facebook group, on a regular basis, I would be posting very valuable information, content. I'd just be sharing content. The same content I would probably share on social media, but I would add a little bit more context. I would also be asking questions. And so the first and foremost thing I need to do is get people that have a, you know an experience with the brand, even if they don't become customers, into this group. The next thing I need to do is start talking to them and get a couple people talking back. It takes volume to do this because Frankly, people do open the links and click on it and like things, but that conversation, you're probably going to get, you know, one or two out of every 50 people that you join to actually have those conversations. So the first step is to get people talking. The next thing, and this will be a few months later, once you've done this for months and months or week, weekly for months at a time, is to get people talking to each other. Somebody posts a question like, hey, we did this for a small business in a small business space and we got a bunch of small business entrepreneurs and founders involved. Uh, I'm talking brick and mortar businesses. And, you know, it took a while for people to get started, but then they started talking to each other. How do I hire an employee or how do I fire somebody that's not doing a good job? And then everyone else started chiming in. And so it became a real community. And the value add for these people is that it's an ecosystem of people that are like-minded and it's kind of controlled and owned by us, but it's loosely controlled, right? I've learned a lot of the stuff from CMX Hub, Dot com and they, they I think they, they throw a conference and whatnot but it's really a lot of the fundamentals of like Reddit and hosting a community and, and and building an audience that's consistently talking to each other. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. And with that, unfortunately, although we'd love to talk all day, we can't. Uh, we have to bring it to an end. Uh, I always hate this bit where we have to say goodbye to our guests because uh, it's been some fantastic advice. But Sujan, thank you so much for being on VB Engage today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a blast. Excellent, excellent stuff. Thank you so much, Sujin, for jumping on episode one of year two, uh, essentially episode 51. Great stuff. Ton and ton of information there, as we mentioned, a veritable fire hose of knowledge. Also last week, oh my gosh, if you did not tune in to episode 50 of VB Engage, what is wrong with you? Uh, Aside from that, it was an amazing episode. We had the one and only Noah Kagan on, and he talked about how he has grown Sumo, AppSumo, his whole King Sumo, his Sumo suite. He bought Sumo.com for $1.5 million. We also talked about what it was like to work at Facebook and be one of the first 30 employees, and then lose your job and get fired and then lose all your stock options that are now worth over a billion dollars. Painful. But you know what? One of the most resilient people that you'll ever meet. Amazing guy. Fun, fun interview. You'll love that. Also, next week, uh, we have an amazing guest as well. We have Adeline Zhao. 
We're going to talk about mobile and uh, some amazing stuff around that as well. So thank you so much for tuning in to VB Engage. Again, this is episode 51, meaning next week will be episode 52 because math. That's right. And of course, don't forget, you still have time to enter the competition to win that amazing Huawei MediaPad M3. Check out the show notes for details on how to enter the competition. Just go to venturebeat.com forward slash vbengage. Go to the latest episode where you'll see Sujan Patel and uh, click on in there and you can enter that competition. Um, make sure you enter it as quickly as you can. Um, it's not going to last for much longer and then we'll pick a winner and somebody has to walk away with that incredible M3 tablet from Huawei. When is the registration deadline? Do we have a date on that or is it just sometime in the near future? We are running the competition for four weeks, so it will end episode 53, sir. So we'll need to make sure you get in there as quick as you can. Thank you so much uh, for Travis Wright, episode 51. Goodbye. And for Stuart Rogers, it's Totsins. We'll see you guys next week.